Dan is going to come up here and share with us his uh, trip to India that he took last year. When was it, Dan? February this year. So, man. So, uh, why don't you all please help me welcome Dan Russell? And and after the conference was over. Um, I'm, you know, and we left. We went back to the Denver airport. I'm walking through the Denver airport, and, and I'm actually having a, it's one of those silent conversations with God. And I'm going, oh man, I go, I cannot do this. I, you know, I was thinking about that steps to peace with God. I said, I can't do that. And so I'm walking, you know, carrying my bag, and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, just a wave of of uh, repentance came over me. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I said. Uh, Boy, boy, do I lack faith. I said, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And uh, we're on the plane, and one of the brothers is here. Eric, where's Eric Tarbox back there? We were sitting on the plane, and, and we had this open seat in the middle of us. We had all our coats on it. It wasn't a full plane. You know, and I'm just saying, oh, man, I'm so tired after that conference. And I just said, I just want to go to sleep. And uh, down come the aisle, and I'm looking at this woman, and she's disheveled. She's... You know, she's maybe my age, and you know, she's just in a just. You could just look at her and know she's just distraught. And she stops, and there's again, there's open seats on this plane. She points to the seat in the middle of us and goes, "Who's sitting there?" And we're going, "Woo!" You know, we'll woo. You know, when we move all the stuff, and she comes in and just sits right in the middle of us, between us, and uh, plops herself down, and you know, shuffling around, and I'm going. Oh, great. You know, and, and I said, uh, okay. And I said, well, at least I'm going to lay my head against the window and I'm going to sleep. And I go, and then it was like, no, you're not. You talk to this woman. And I started talking to this woman and I found out that she had just been divorced from her husband. They owned a macadamia farm in Hawaii. And she was so distraught. And we and I just told her, she asked, well, where do you just where, what are you what are you doing? And I said, well, we just came from a men's conference, a Christian men's conference in Colorado. And she goes, oh. And I said, uh, matter of fact, they went over something here. And I said, would you like to go over this? And I had it in my I had it right in my pocket. This was right here. And I go, oops, you know. So and uh, and I did exactly what the guys just said and went through this with her verbatim. At the end of it, she was weeping, um, and. Uh, um, she said, "I can't even believe how much peace I have right now," and um, uh, and she and she said, "Do you have anything else you can give me?" And I happened to have thoughts from the diary of a desperate man, <laughs> and I said, "I handed it to her." And I goes, "Well, I've given this to women before, and you know, you see, look like it, and it can be for desperate women too." And she goes, "Oh, thank you so much, thank you." And so we ended up talking all the way back to Las Vegas. So I'm, I just was, uh, God just showed me, He humbled me. Um, broke me on that plane, and so this is this is the real deal. Um, I'd like to open in prayer, Father. Uh, I just want to thank you for saving a wretch like me. Uh, when I reflect on my depravity, I'm overwhelmed that uh, you would have anything to do with me. And uh, Lord, I know the sufferings that your son went through. I just uh, uh, a glimpse of that and I'm just overwhelmed uh, that you would uh, sacrifice your son 
that uh, we would have uh, the promise of eternity. Lord, I just uh, thank you for these brothers in this room, and I just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, uh, to share um, what you did. This has absolutely nothing to do with Dan Russell and has everything to do with you, Lord. And Lord, I'd ask you to uh, help me with the words tonight, um, that they're your words. And Lord, if they're not from you, Lord, that you would close my mouth. Lord, I just uh, thank you and I just give praise to you, uh, our glorious uh, King of Kings. And I just say these in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, when we put when we put one slide up there to start with, okay, let me tell me how to do this. My glasses. Okay, just what is it? Okay. Okay, great. I'll just start with that slide right there. I'm, um, so I'm going to tell you about a, a trip to India that my son and I took. Uh, this um, a guy in the yellow shirt is Pastor Sidyanandam. Um, you're going to hear a lot, of, a lot more about him in a second. But uh, I just thought how appropriate when he sent me this picture, and I love this picture, because he's sharing the gospel. That's a gospel track he has there, and he's sharing it with a guy in that saffron outfit. And that guy, uh, whenever they're dressed like that in that color of an outfit, they're Hindu, they're RSS Hindus, and those are anti-Christian, violent, violent Hindus, and they kill Christians. And uh, so he takes great risk even sharing it with this guy. And, uh, and uh, so he's a, a real bold guy uh, sharing the, uh, the love of Jesus Christ with these people who live in such incredible, incredible darkness. Um, let's go flip one. Um, I'm just going to give you a little background briefly here. My early years... Uh, um, I was uh, raised a, uh, in an Irish Catholic family. Um, I'm the youngest of uh, three three boys, and in an Irish good Irish Catholic family. Even though my dad wasn't a believer, and my mom was uh, an incredible uh, Catholic woman, uh, she always desired to have a priest in the family. So all eyes looked at Danny Russell, Danny boy, uh, when they said it'd be nice to have a oh, wouldn't it be nice to have a priest in the family? And uh, <laughs> And I heard that long enough to when I got close to entering high school, I went down to the seminary just down the road in Tucson, Regina Clary Seminary, to be a priest. And it wasn't to be. Uh, God had different plans. I ended up going to uh, finishing my years in a Catholic high school in Las Vegas. Went, into, went on into uh, the university at uh, uh, Nevada, Las Vegas. Okay. And I just flip them back and forth, right? Um, and uh, I compressed my four-year undergraduate degree into seven years. <laughs> I was the president of the uh, ATO fraternity for three years in a row. In our fraternity, we prided ourselves, our fraternity, that if, you, any, if any of you saw, I'm sure most of you did, saw Animal House, we prided ourselves we were worse than that movie. And that is, that is no lie. We were, we were a depraved bunch of guys. Um, from a worldly perspective, though, we, you know, that was where it was at. And uh, um, 
I put Revelation 1.8 up there. Uh, Greg, would you read Revelation 1.8? He's going to be my official reader. Revelation 1.8 I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. The reason I uh, you go, why would you mention that verse? Because the ATO fraternity, and it just shows um, something pure at, and, uh, at the beginning, uh, how depraved it can be. Uh, the ATO fraternity was started right after the Civil War by, uh, by um, uh, two ministers and a layperson at VMI. Matter of fact, Eric Tarbox there is a graduate from VMI. Um, and uh, its whole purpose was to introduce college men to the person of Jesus Christ. And uh, A was for Alpha, and the O was for Omega, and the T is for the Cross of Christ. In the secret initiation of this fraternity, it, it references, and I gave it, because I was the president of the house for three years in a row, I gave this initiation uh, numerous times and had no idea what I was saying. But, I was, uh, but I'd point to the right of the altar and I'd say this is what our fraternity stands for. It stands for the cross of Jesus Christ. And our core truth is in the center of our altar, the Bible, the Word of God. And that was part of the secret initiation to this day. And, and our house was an animal house. It was full-blown orgies, you name it. And, uh, um, and so I graduated out of, uh, out of college there and uh, got married and uh, being a good Catholic boy um, so I thought I was and I went to Mass during this time there are times I went every day and went, went to Mass every day and uh, got married I, and I married an unbeliever a Christian woman and, uh, cause, <laughs> and, I, and I thought I'm going to convert her I'm going to get her converted and I knew I could and little did I know, she was, uh, she was praying for me all the time, for years. And about, about in the 10th year, I, I started to spiral down. And I, um, um, I was in the fast lane of life with my foot on the gas and I was making a ton of money. I had two cute little boys. I had a wife who loved me and I was questioning whether life was worth living. And, and I mean, I was in the depths of despair. And um, I got super angry at God. And I went out, and if I need to, I can get analytical. I went out to disprove God's existence. And I took Catholic dogma and doctrine and the Bible, which is still the core belief of the Catholic Church, and I went out to disprove it. And I took two years... Not never heard, never hearing of Josh McDowell. I found out later we took some similar paths, but I went out to disprove the Bible. I looked at the historicity of it, the uh, bibli- bibliographical evidence of it, the archaeological evidence, and the scientific evidence of it. And after two years, I was crushed. I found out that the Bible is absolutely perfect, and no man could have ever written it. But I had not, I not, but I had not read one page of it. I don't. And that's not, that's not common of all, all Catholics, but for me it was. I had not read one page. So I started reading it, and the Lord just started spiraling me down even worse. I got into a huge lawsuit. I, was, uh, I, had, I actually owned a, owned a cinder cone in Flagstaff, Arizona, and uh, with some other investors. And we got sued by a big law firm out of Phoenix. 
and um, we ended up paying almost a million dollars just in attorney fees. And I was and I was looking looking at losing everything I had, and, uh, and there were a lot of things that happened in the meantime in the interim. But at uh, one one early one morning, about 1 a.m., I found myself under a tree, and I was an absolute wreck. And they had, they had made phone calls and they wanted lists of every household item I had in my house. And you could imagine what was going on in my wife's head, but she, she kept praying. As a matter of fact, one time she came out she said, she said, Dan, you know, um, um, they can take all this away, but we still have each other. And I mean, that gave me so much comfort, but... But it was only momentary, and I found myself under that tree, and I was under there, and I said, Lord, I have done an absolute terrible job with my life. And I said, and I looked up, and I said, I'm going to give you my wife, and I'm going to give you my boys, because I've been a terrible dad, and I'm going to give you my business, and I'm going to give you what little money I have, and all my possessions, they are yours. And I said, because I have just made a wreck of it. And at that moment, and I mean, I am weeping and crying, and I am just distraught. And just like the gentleman last night, there was no lightning bolts, it was no bright lights, it, but it was an instant peace came over me. And I was perfectly calm. And I knew God had heard me, and I knew He was real, and I knew He loved me. And from that point, He started to repair my life. And I knew Jesus Christ was, was the real was the real deal. So he broke me and I made a commitment that I wouldn't turn back ever again and I would move forward. And so one thing that really really hit me between the eyes early on was was obedience, was being obedient to him. And I know there's earthly obedience and it was it was some years after this um, that um, my 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 oldest boy was uh, 11 years old. I was a Boy Scout. He was eligible to be a Scout, and uh, we 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 uh, he wanted to join Boy Scouts, and um, um, and so there was a Scout troop at the church we were attending at the time, and um, um, the. Um, um, the scoutmaster was burnt out. The um, the leadership was pretty much on the fringe at that time, and um, uh, so I said I'd, put, I'd do a search and try to find a scoutmaster in this church. And there was about three thousand members of this church at this time, and I did a full blown search for a scoutmaster. And I put to put you know put uh, little things in the bulletins and uh, made announcements, and no one came to the forefront. Not one person. And several weeks later, I'm in the house. I'm talking to my wife, and I said, "I said, Jane, um, um, I'm so upset. There's not one person that has come to the plate." And she looked at me and she said, "I know the perfect scoutmaster." And I go, "Who's that?" And she goes, "You." And I said, "I can't do that." I said, "I'm a. I own my own business." I'm working 60 hours that it is. How in the world can I be a scoutmaster? And she goes, we're just going to pray about it. And I ended up being the scoutmaster, and it's only by God's grace. because And I was a, and I was a scoutmaster of this troop for the next nine years. And on the average, 
on the average. Uh, you're, I, and, and my good buddy Vern Devereaux back there will vouch for this because he was my right arm. He was my committee chairman. He was, he was uh, my advancement chairman. He was assistant scoutmaster. But it's, it's pretty common. In, uh, when you're in those leadership roles, you'll put in about, six, about, about 40 hours a week on the average. So you're running your own business, you're putting another 40 hours a week in. But another, what it did is it broke me again. And it took me to a, a new level of dependence. Um, there was huge blessings in that with me personally. I stopped watching TV. I had no time. And, uh, you know, I get phone calls late at night from um, single moms. Our troop was a troop composed primarily of uh, kids from single parent homes. And, uh, and so it was, uh, so God was preparing me. And the reason you're saying, you know, why is Dan telling all about the scout stuff? You'll see that God, God, God knew what he was going to do. And he was, in, he was in the preparation process. He was, he was destroying me. He was, you know, he was taking my flesh and he was, he was roughing me up. And uh, and we focused on the seven scout law with these scouts. They had to be obedient, absolutely obedient, or they had to find another troop. And they had to be obedient to the scout laws. The scout laws are trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. Yes, and Boy Scouts. You know, in a Boy Scout troop today, if it's sponsored by a Christian church, it can be a full-blown ministry. You can tell these bold boys boldly about Jesus Christ. Um, and uh, um, but we focused on we focused on obedience because and these boys were craving it and they were craving for discipline. Um, and I tell you, it was difficult for all of us. It was difficult for me. But I've just got a few pictures here. This is uh, this is up at the Cedar uh, Cedar Breaks, um, Utah. This this is uh, at Ashforth uh, Down uh, Gulch, um, and it's about ten thousand feet. And the boys, uh, the boys were great at putting on their own church services. Some of these church services would blow your mind. They were so profound, and it gave it gave uh, um, uh, me as a scoutmaster and some of the other adult leaders. At times, we'd have a moment to, to have like a scoutmaster minute. It wouldn't be a minute; it'd be a little bit more extended than that. But we were never shy about about going through verses with these boys. And here's one. I remember at that particular outing, we, we focused on this one right here. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I mean, these boys, their eyes were bulging out of their head and we would take things, and you know, and from middle school on up, the sexual promiscuity in these schools is unbelievable. And we would talk about fornication. We'd talk about idolatry. Their iPods, their computer, the computer games they have today, they can't do without them. So what have those become in their lives? Um, the jealousies they have of other people, other students, kids. These are kids from single parent homes, so they're they're jealous of kids that have nicer shoes and clothes like that. Outbursts of wrath. Maybe they're being mean to their sister. Um, um, envy. So you get the picture. You can do incredible things with these boys. And and Vern would tell you too. There were men as we started to accumulate men. We got we got one point. We had fifty to sixty involved adult leaders in this troop. This troop became a great big troop 
And uh, the adult leaders, they would come up afterward and go, Dan, you need to talk, tell me about that verse. I need to know about it. So it's not just the boys, it's the men. And, you know, there was a lot of stuff that we did. This is just right in here. I picked this because this is just right north of you guys. This is the uh, this is out of Page, Arizona, uh, Priya Canyon. Deep, longest, deepest slot canyon in the world. 50 miles. And we would take the boys through these trips and... You'll see that picture. This, these are pictures where we wanted to choke the, uh, the ranger who gave us the green light because we started hiking through this and a little tiny cloud comes over and dumps some rain. And water comes up. We're in that, that picture on the right. Um, you, without the flash, it's dark. It's about 12 noon. And it's, that's how deep it is. You can place you can put your hands on the sides of the wall and look up about 1,500 feet. So we were just thinking, you know, that's when we were dependent on the Lord. Just trying to keep the guys, the boys, the boys' uh, um, attitude and mind right. You could tell they're like, "Are we going to die?" <laughs> so, so, this is seven miles. We walked through, and that's mud, mud, and they had to be very careful not to pull their boots off because they wouldn't find them. So, and this just gives you a picture. You wonder how that uh, tree trunk got up there because that's at about uh, 40, 50 feet high. That tree trunk got up there. Well, that's when the water comes whipping through that. That and then you'll see in the maybe you can see in the very next picture over on the right very bottom right hand corner you'll see the person there that show you how gigantic those cliffs are and the boys would stop even they were blown away at the majesty of some of the things they saw so you can do you can and the reason I show you this sir so you know the kids would come out of this river and uh, the parents would call me up now and then they go what did you do to my son I go oh oh and uh, they said he's a different kid. They come out of that. They come out of this river. They'd be different kids. They'd be they'd be little men. So there's there's Vern. I put Vern. I got to put throw that in there for you, Vern. Okay. I don't know. If, I don't know how many people backpack on their knees, but uh, we do. And there's then there's another one of Vern. This this was uh, he was having a real serious conversation with his backpack. <laughs> he he wanted to kill me that day as we were going. Uh, was, this is on the east rim of Zion. It's about 15 miles. And uh, I said, no, it'd be no sweat, Vern. So he, he loaded up his backpack. And uh, he's having a serious talk with his backpack right there. But we did a lot of stuff. This is Nellis Air Force Base, and the generals loved us. But again, the reason I, this is this has nothing to do with me. This is just what you can, you know, as you just surrender yourself and say, Lord, I just want to do what you would have me to do. He will bless you in ways you can't even imagine. This, that's the F-22 back there. And they took the boys all through that thing when it just they just rolled it out to, at Nellis. This was some time back. You know, this was this is another thing. You know, say, Lord, you know, it's how, how can we get the kids to Wyoming? It's funny. You just start asking people, and you know, there's executives that own jets, and they're not using them all the time. You find out some of these executives, these guys that own the jets, love scouts. So the two guys gave us two of their jets, and we flew the guys up to Wyoming. And, and on jets, flew in his little airport in Pinedale, Wyoming. The next afternoon, they're there. So there's, a, there's a, the Upper Green River Lakes, Wind River Range, Bridger Wilderness area. So the reason I, you know, guys, just uh, the reason I just uh, um, tell you that is uh, maybe God will stir you. I mean, there's, there's incredible opportunities, incredible mission opportunities that in an organization that will allow you just to be bold as you can be about Jesus Christ. Um, godly obedience. Uh, uh, Greg, can you read that? Please? 
uh, John 8:29. And he, he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. The word I wanted to focus on there was always. We're supposed to exemplify the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus always, always wanted to please his Father. Perfect obedience. John 4.34. This is John 4.34 and 35. Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields. For they are white, already to harvest. Again, it's another, another wonderful verse on obedience. Jesus Christ's obedience to His Father. And these are, I'm not going to read those right now, but those are just, we've talked about them. Some of those in Matthew 7 are just so powerful. And if, if we're not being obedient to God, boy, we just need to meditate on some of those, you know, just doing to others or the narrow gate. This is just, it, that's crushed me when I just really started to meditate on the narrow gate. Few find it. Few find the narrow gate. Because wide is the gate and the path to destruction, and so it's uh, these are just um, they're just uh, profound verses. Uh, um, uh, today during the question and answer, uh, those uh, more the, to me to me too those are the four most terrifying words I, uh, in the Bible. I never knew you. I never knew you. And he was, and he's you know guys are talking about the people are thinking they're the most religious of the day. Well, Lord, Lord, you know, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I cast out demons? Didn't I do great miracles? See, that could be anything today. Just you know, well, Lord, Lord, wasn't I you know feeding the homeless under the bridge every Saturday? Well, Lord, Lord, you know, didn't I have a Boy Scout troop and uh, didn't I take them all to cool places? Well, Lord, Lord, you know, didn't I you know do this and do that? I tell you, we better we our heart better be right. It better be crushed. Because the last, thing, the last thing I want to do is stand before the Lord. I want to be absolutely clear that, that the Lord doesn't have that conversation with me. And go, Dan, I never knew you. I never knew you. Um, Lost Valley, I went to, as I alluded to earlier, I went to Lost Valley in 2006. Um, we, um, 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 there was a breakout session, and it was How to Disciple Your Children. And I picked up this book there and started reading it. And uh, the biblical absolutes, right here in about the middle of the book, in the Scripture, the Lord sets forth His expectation of how we are to live. I can expect my children to obey those absolutes. So just just remember that um, as as I move forward in this conversation. But I was crushed at Lost Valley. Um... I knew, and I thought, I, you know, I was thinking, you know, God, you know, I might be a scoutmaster for, you know, 20 more years. And at Lost Valley, I was so convicted that I had to step out of scouting. I had to step down as scoutmaster, and I needed to, I needed to address some things in my family that I just knew that needed some attention. And I get home after I got off the plane in Las Vegas. Um, my wife and I went to dinner that night, and she said, Dan, before you say anything. I need to talk to you. She said, I've been praying all week long. And I've been in the book of John. And she said, you need to step out of scouting. 
And I'm going, what? And uh, she had this, you know, yellow notepad. And she, and she not only told me that I needed to step out of scouting, I needed to pay some serious attention to our, to our son who was going south. Um, but she had exactly the method of how I needed to step out of scouting. At the same time, I receive an email from a guy in India. I'm looking at this email, and this is the truth. It was, I'm looking at this email, and you know how many emails we all get? I'm going, oh, great, another scam. I haven't seen any from India, you know, Nigeria, you know, Thailand, whatever. And uh, I said, another scam email. My thumb was, my finger was coming down to delete that email, and it, I stopped. I said, well, I'll read it. And I read this email from this pastor in India, and it was so sincere. And I go, well, he's got a, some really... And I was a skeptic again. I got, he's got some really good lines. And, uh, man, but it's so sincere. And I said, okay, I'll email him back. I go, how do you get my email address and who are you? And uh, he emails me back the next day, for two days, because they have to go to little internet cafes to answer the emails. And uh, he emailed me back and said... Uh, a visiting pastor came through the city of Hyderabad, which I'd never heard of. And I thought it was pretty good with geography, Hyderabad. And I found out it was a pretty big city. It's kind of the IT city of India. Um, and uh, he uh, said a visiting pastor by the name of Pastor John came through Hyderabad, um, gave me your email address. I have never seen him before never seen him since. I'm going, yeah, Sure. And uh, then he went on to tell me that his mother was uh, born in a Hindu tribal village uh, in, uh, in Andhra Pradesh. And uh, she couldn't have children. She's barren. And a, pastor came, a Christian pastor came through that village and said, If you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we serve a God who is capable of anything. If he so chooses, he can, he can uh, have your womb bear fruit. And she put her trust, this Hindu woman put her trust in Jesus Christ. She became pregnant. Uh, she, the pastor Sajanadam was, uh, was born in that family. She dedicated him to the Lord just like uh, uh, Samuel was dedicated by his mom. He grew up, he moved to Hyderabad, worked for a pesticide company, was a field worker for a pesticide company, remembered what his mom do- had done. He quit. He got some pastoral training. And he went into the slums and the poor people of Hyderabad to commit his life. That was his story back to me. And I'm going, sounds pretty good. But I still didn't believe it. I had him give me verification. I had him send me the documentation that he really had a church. I had him send me pictures. And then I talked to my wife one day and I said, we're just going to step out on a limb here. Don't, let's, um, let's, uh, he said he needed some Bibles. So we sent him a little bit of money for Bibles. And... Um, um, in this, in this, during this time, my son, um, was, my 17-year-old son was going south. And he had got hooked up with some... And you got to understand, this kid was in, my, in, the, in the scout troop with me too. Eagle Scout. Hadn't had his Eagle Scout Court of Honor yet, but he's an Eagle Scout. But he got hooked up with some bad kids in his high school. And he had this hateful look on his face that, that was growing over time. I noticed on time he'd be, he'd perform reasonably well in the scout troop, but at home he'd be more and more disobedient. And he, just the look on his face and his eyes, and my wife and I were so concerned because the more we lectured him, the worse it got. And, uh, um, we, we didn't, we didn't know what to do. We were like so many parents, goes, what do you do? Um, 
You know, if we push him too far, you know, he may leave, he may do this, he may do that. All these scenarios went through our head. And I was, in the meantime, I'm developing quite a relationship with this pastor, Sajan Adam, and I'm writing to him. We have truly become brothers. I mean, we are loving each other through the emails. And I'm, and I'm, it was a, it was an incredible miracle from God. And he said, brother, what can I pray for? And they can pray. One thing they can do is they can pray. I said, you've got to keep praying for my family and my, my son John. He said, brother, you got it. We will be praying for him. And um, uh, uh, one day rolled around. It was, uh, it was earlier in the day, and my wife and I knew. We said, we have, to, we have to talk to John tonight. And we both felt it was that day we had to talk to him. And we were in agreement with each other. We were biblically in agreement. We were ready because of his disobedience, because of biblical absolutes. And I, you know, brought back this book, and uh, and and it was all in here, all in the Bible. And uh, he was he was a major violator of the fifth commandment: honor thy father and thy mother. And I've had conversations with him, and he just dissed us. And uh, I said, enough. We're releasing him. We're releasing him to God. With the clothes on his back and anything he owns, he can take with him. But we were in agreement that we were going to send him out the door that evening. He had a small little bit of money in his bank account. And uh, he could take that. And I said, but we were going to let him go. And I emailed Pastor Sajanadam. I said, you've got to be praying because we're going to about 6 or 7 o'clock tonight, we're going to be having the conversation of our life with our boy. And you got to understand what was going through our head. We knew, because we were talking about this, my wife and I knew that when we sent him out that front door, we may never see him again. We knew the, the, next, the next phone call we get might be from the highway patrol. That Saturday was his Eagle Court of Honor with, with three other boys. And I knew that I might have to stand up there as the outgoing scoutmaster without my son and being part of that troop for that many years I mean that was my heart was so heavy knowing what would happen that I could barely contain myself and uh, our, our son came home that night and we said John you got to sit down at the kitchen table and um, we need to talk to you it was that you know hateful little look in his face again. Goes, what's this about? Oh, another lecture. And uh, instead of lecturing this time, it was the wildest thing in the world. It was not planned or anything. We just both of us just opened up the Bible. My wife opened up to Proverbs and stayed there. And I stayed in I stayed in the New Testament. But Jane found every proverb that has to do with a disobedient son just blew off the pages. And our son sat down in his chair and a chair he had no more sat there, down there in 50, for 15 minutes it was as if someone was holding him down in the chair for three hours as we went through the Bible it was about at about two and a half hours I saw something crazy going on with my, with my son I had no idea I didn't, couldn't explain it something was happening to him and I said John are you alright do you have anything to say he said dad I do. He goes, you know, I can argue with my parents, but I can't argue with the scriptures. And then he said, I am so sorry. And we all just broke into tears. 
we got up, we started holding each other, and we just prayed for a long time. And I, uh, I asked John, I go, John, do you, you know, after we, after it was over, I said, John, should we go out and get your door off your bedroom, your bedroom door? And uh, he, uh, he said, uh, yeah, Dad, sure. So we went out to the hay shed, and I put his door up in the rafters like this. And I'm standing on some bales of hay, and the lights are shining down in his face. And I'm standing on the hay bales, and I'm pulling the door down. I look on it down in his face, and I literally almost fell off the hay bale. His face was completely changed. His eyes were different. His face was different. There was kindness in him. There was something I couldn't even explain. I go, John, are you okay? And he goes, yeah, Dad, what's wrong? And I'm going, man, you look different. He goes, oh. And, uh, but he spoke different. He acted different. He looked different. Um, two days later, we're, ha- we're out in the backyard um, having a conversation we had never had like we had. And we're sitting back there. It was a beautiful evening. And we're just kicking back. And we're talking as a dad to a son. And he said, Dad, there's something you need to know. Tomorrow, meaning that Friday, he goes, I had everything planned out perfectly. To run away and never come back. And so Saturday rolled around. And, uh, and uh, that Eagle Court of Honor, my son was there. And I saw God's mercy, undeserved mercy, on my family in such a profound way. I will be eternally grateful. When we got through praying on that Tuesday night, I found out that not only had Pastor Sajanadam been praying for John, but they had started in the evening. And they were doing fasting prayer, the whole congregation, all night long. And when they were coming out of it, is when John said, I am so sorry. And so two months later, um, John and I are talking, and I just out of the clear blue, I said, Hey John, um, how would you like to go to India and thank these people who were praying for us? And he goes, Sure, Dad. And it would have been a trip we'd have never done. Um, we had so much scouting experience, it was probably something pretty easy for us to do. We just started planning it, putting it together. And uh, um, we flew into Hyderabad, India. The day we left, I have to tell you, it's, a, it's weird. The day we left to go to India was the exact day that I got the first email from exactly one year to the day that I got the email from Pastor Sajanadam. And we came into that airport at uh, 1 or 2 a.m. in the morning and we were greeted by 100 precious Indian people at the airport. Poor, poor Indian people that had no transportation, that had gotten there by walking, by if they could afford a bus fare, they came by bus, but they were there waiting for us when that plane arrived. And then this was the same day they took us to a hotel because he doesn't. He, his room that he lives in is you know about you know ten by ten that him and his wife and two children live in is very very humble. He had no place for us to stay with him, so we stayed at a hotel uh, in in Hyderabad. So he took us to a hotel. We got a little bit of rest. Picked us up later that morning. Took us to his church, and this is the first day I come into his church. And these are all the people there, and they're throwing flowers on us, and. Uh, 
I just love this verse. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. And, uh, you know, and I just, you know, and I've just, I'm resonating all the time is we just have to be so obedient to the Lord. In India, in Hindu Hinduism, just so you know, a lot of you do know about Hinduism, but it's an insidious religion. It's, I think it's just as, just as insidious as Islam. Uh, it's in the caste system. Uh, the people that Sajjanandam and his church, they're all people that were from the lowest caste. And that's the untouchable caste. There's the four castes of, of Hinduism. The lowest caste, be, below the, any of the castes, is the no caste, the, the Dalits, or the untouchables. And in their religion, their religion says that they are the refuse of God. There's a scubla of God. So they have no hope until they get reincarnated, hopefully something better. And then along come a, a pastor, Sadyanadam, and he, he, he shares with them the hope of Jesus Christ. And, they, and those, those called for election, veils lifted, and they have unspeakable joy. These are some of the most joyous people I've ever seen. But the Hindu gods are so insidious. There's a, there's a poster of a living Hindu god. He's alive. He's a real alive man. He's a god. And then you got you, you got god little temples. All this is a monkey god. It's huge. There's a monkey god temple uh, in uh, in uh, Andhra Pradesh there. And they go, people go in all these temples. The Hindus go in with some food offerings, and they give the priest inside some money, and then they pray to all these uh, uh, all these evil gods. You know, peacock gods. Snake gods, cobra gods, you know, lion gods, you know, cows, sacred cows, and you know, lots of monkey gods, you know, for for help. The, and I'm not going to even go into this um, in any detail. But while I was in India, God showed me profound evil. Um, there was one night in. Uh, there was one night. That it was, uh, and I'm considered myself, you know, fairly, t- fairly reasonably tough, you know, from, uh, you know, being in tough situation with clients and, you know, situations that, you know, I don't get too rattled at. Um, um, there were times that I was so scared, I was terrified. I was terrified. There were three times while I was there, I was terrified. And uh, one time was in my hotel room, and. Uh, um, I was in some kind of a semi-conscious state and I leaped out of bed. I woke my son up and I have never done this. And I said, John, you have to pray for your dad right now. I do not know if I'm going to make it through the night. And, uh, and that, was, that, that, that moment was the day. It was like that was about at 3 a.m. in the morning and that was the day of the first gospel meeting that we were going to have. But this was one of the this sixth largest mosque in the world, and uh, it was a, it was, a, it was a, I was having my I couldn't even when we drove up to it I couldn't even my mind was I thought my I thought it was going crazy, um, and there were these uh, birds birds of the air circling around this mosque and uh, I told Pastor Sajanadam I have to get out of here right now, and as we drove away I I started to regain my faculties it was. Uh, um, it was just something that God wanted to show me, and uh, and He did. And uh, uh, if we don't think he, oh, evil is alive and well, man, you're, you're not going to convince convince me of that ever again. I was one of those guys on the other camp before that. Um, you know, these cities just you know millions of people, 
uh, hustle and bustle. And uh, for overall, the Hindu people are very, 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 very nice people. But uh, boy, the evil in this, it, India is a dark continent. It's a really dark continent. You know, if you could do the tourist thing, you know, you probably won't see too much of it. Um, uh, you get into the mix of it. You better have. You know, I want to thank. There's a bunch of men in here that were praying for my son and I as we were in India, and I'll tell you, I am so grateful for your prayers. You do not know how grateful I am and how valuable those prayers are. And if you're going to do this kind of work, I'd say you've got to have a whole team of people praying for you all the time. This uh, How to Freak a Dad and a Son Out Totally is these were posters. These were great big posters around the city. I, uh, around this area where the gospel meeting is going to be. And I had no idea, you know, we're thinking, you know, he said, yeah, I want you to do a gospel meeting and then I want you to talk to some of the pastors. I said, well, okay, how do you say no to this guy, you know, after all he did for you? And I said, then we start seeing these posters. We're going, so, so we're freaking out. Yeah, like John goes, Dad, Dad, Dad. And he goes, Dad, I am not talking. Dad, there's no way. No way. I go, it's okay, John, you do not have to talk. And he was... He was totally terrified. He said, I'm not talking. And I am not talking. And I wish I was saying, I was saying my son was going, yeah, I wish I didn't have to talk either. Not knowing exactly what I'm going to talk about. And uh, here we are. <laughs> and and i got to tell you, we're almost in some kind of a hypnotic trance. We're, we are up there going... And this is, I, I, I mentioned this to Walt at, at, at dinner tonight because it's so funny. He said, because all these memories were coming back and flooding me. And he goes, he said, uh, uh, I, said I said, I go, I remembered this exact moment. John and I turned to each other exactly at the same time. And we said these exact words. We go, why are we here? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the truth. We have like, what in the world are we here? Some insurance agent and his son, and we're seeing people starting to pile in by the hundreds and then by the thousands in this cow pasture in, uh, in the outskirts of Hyderabad, India. And this is some of the people as they're piling in. And let me just, uh, can we just, uh, can you just click on that? Just click on that. Uh, maybe I can. I just, uh, just, see if you can get where you can click on the picture. Get the cursor to come up and click on the picture. You know, see if the, yeah, just click on it once. Does this uh, music come on here? Make. I have to tell you about this music. You'll, you'll see the faces of these people, and that's my purpose. They are so organized, and they dub this. This is all done by the Indian, you know, by Pastor Sidhyanadam and his people. So he sent me this tape, and so I took little clips just to show you what some of the videos were that they sent, sent us after this whole thing was over. I didn't realize he was a Kenny G fan. <laughs> the more we hung around these people, the, 
really loved these people. They were so incredible. The men are the uh, the no cap system. Many of them get killed in uh, in late. They do the most menial tasks, so many of them die. Many of them get injured. There's no medical care for them. If they get sick, they die. They can't go to a hospital. Uh, they can't afford medical care. Um, they have so little money, and um, and a lot of the men uh, are drunks, are drunkards, and uh, there's a lot of abuse. Um, and uh, so this is why uh, India per capita has more widows than any country per capita in the world, and more orphans, and more orphans. The pastors uh, in India are like David's mighty men of valor. They're the most incredible guys you ever want to meet. And at this at this deal, there were 50 of them. Um, We'll go to the next one here. Um, I wanted you to hear my son. He wasn't going to. Um, he wasn't going to uh, say anything. And all of a sudden, I got a tap on my shoulder. And it, what I did is I, you know, I just thought, well, I'll tell these people a little of my testimony. And you know, coming out of the Catholic religion, you know, I told them. I said, I worshipped and prayed to um, to. Uh, um, um, I don't know what it, I think I used gods of um, of uh, made of porcelain, stone, and wood, and I did. I mean, I worshipped the Virgin Mary. I prayed. There was a whole litany of saints that I worshipped and prayed to. So I wasn't telling them a lie, but I didn't mention the religion because this is the Hindu religion. So I said I was one of those guys as I talked to them. So that was my testimony. Then all of a sudden I was going to getting into because. They were astounded to hear that a son would rebel against their parents. This doesn't happen in India. And so John's testimony blew him away. And, I had, and he came up and he just moved by the Holy Spirit and he just tapped me on the shoulder and he said, Dad, I'll tell him. He was becoming rebellious and this. I don't know why it's not playing. What he's saying, though, if it doesn't come through, it's it's okay. It's, okay. it's kind of what I told you. But he uh, to hear it from his own lips as he's telling these people um, how he became disrespectful and rebellious. And he even tells uh, my parents were very upset with me. But as I said earlier, I did not, I didn't, I didn't care about them. I continued my uh, destructive behavior. Until I was arrested in Punjab. My parents sat me down and opened up the Bible. 
ఆ తర్వాత అమ్మ నాన్నలు ఎంతో ప్రేమతో మళ్ళా దగ్గరకు తీసుకుని బైబిళ్లను తెరచి అందులో ఉన్నటువంటి సత్యాలను నాకు వివరిస్తూ వివరిస్తూ వచ్చారు వారు మరి మా అమ్మ నాన్న ఇద్దరు కూడా బైబిల్ తెరిచి అందులో ఉన్న సత్యాలు తెలియజేస్తూ ఉంటే చదువుతూ ఉంటే ఐ వాజ్ బ్రోకెన్ వారు చదువుతున్నప్పుడు నిజముగా నా హృదయము చితికిపోయింది నాకు ఎంతో దుఃఖము కట్టలు తెలుసుకుని వచ్చినట్టుగా వచ్చేసింది ఎవరికి <laughs> and um this is just one more clip uh play it in a second but you know i go and you know as i right before i left to go to go to india um this was sitting by the side of my by the side of my computer and i said you know I'll just take it what the heck put it in my pocket and uh what i did and this is exactly what i did is this was my gospel message and i had it in in a like this like this i just had the thing right here like this in the bible and uh, that this was my entire gospel message and at the end of it at the end of it just for the for the call i just turned it over to pastor sajanadam after i read this and just turned it over to him and then he directed all the people up and then all the pastors came around they uh, they prayed with them they took all the information uh, after this whole event was over um amazing things started to happen uh, a lot of the churches started to fill up with more people it was a real this was talk about seeing the hand of god and i'll just uh I'll just play uh play this it's just, just then it also says akada unnatundi maroka maata emidante for god so loved the world devudu lokamunu ento preminchanu that he gave his one and only son tana advitiya kumarudaina yesunu anugrahinchanu that whoever believes in him aayinendu viswasamunchina prathi okkariki shall not perish athanu nashinchi pokunda but have eternal life nidya jeevamu kaligi undalani cheppine devudu god ee paapamu varana manavudu devuniki dooramai pratyekamai pothunadu The Bible says, Bible chebutunadi for all have sinned. and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says, Bible chebutunadi for the wages of sin is death. Paapam varana vachu jeetamu maranamu. But the gift of God aithe devudu cheetanti varam emitayante is eternal life nitya jeevanni devudu varigistunadu through jesus christ our lord mana prabhuvane ee veelu lekunda the bible says bible chevutunadi if you confess with your mouth neevuni nodutho ganaka oka satyanu obiya satyanu oppukonde jesus is lord yesu christu prabhuvayunaadu ganaka oppukunnatlaite and believe in your heart nee hrudayamlo vishwasam unchinatlaite that god raised him from the dead yesu devudu yesu christunu 
సమాధిలో నుండి తిరిగి లేపాడనే సత్యం నువ్వు నమ్మినట్లయితే మారుస్తున్నాడు నా బ్రతుకులు మారుస్తున్నాడు ఈ రాత్రి కాస్తాను అన్నవారు దయచేసి మీరు ముందుకు రండి దయచేసి ముందుకు రండి మేము ఇక్కడికి ప్రార్థన చేయాలి దయచేసి ముందుకు రండి దయచేసి ముందుకు రండి ప్రతి ఒక్కరు కూడా ఎవరైనా ఏసు ప్రభుత్వ సొంత రక్షణ అంగీకరించే వారు మాత్రమే ఇంత ముందు రక్షించబడిన వారు కాదు ఇంత ముందు బాప్తీసం తీసుకున్న వారు కాదు ఇంత ముందు విశ్వాసంగా ఉన్న వారు కాదు దయచేసి ఏసు ప్రభుత్వ సొంత రక్షణ అంగీకరిస్తున్నాను ఇది నానా దేవుడు నాతో మాట్లాడాడు అన్నవారు ముందుకు రండి దయచేసి మేము ఇక్కడ ప్రార్థన చేస్తాం ప్రతి ఒక్కరు కూడా క్రమ పాటిస్తాం దేవుడు సందులు ఉంటాం వారందరూ ప్రార్థన చేద్దాం Uh, I give you a little flavor of uh, something that is still um, uh, uh, hard to even explain, see what, uh, what God did here. Um, they also, they're very enterprising, they also had this televised in a 5-kilometer or 10-kilometer area, and it was actually people were watching it on their television sets, and uh, people... Um, He had many reports come back where people accepted Christ over the television. So, um, so I mean, just to see, you know, what, what the Lord can do, um, uh, it just, just astounded me to, to no end. Um, after it was over, um, they, were, they were fascinated with John, and everyone, everyone wants you to pray for them. And they want you to lay your, your hands on their head and pray for them. Um, And so they've never done this. We had never, ever done this. We had never, I mean, even, you know, no one in the States has ever said, Dan, you know, could you, like, you know, lay your hands and pray for me? And, I mean, you know, we do pray for one another now and then. We hold each other. But this was just constant. Everybody came up and wanted, wanted prayer. And uh, so John, especially the kids that came to John, wanted him to pray for him. There's John. The kids just were attracted to him. Uh, and this little, this little tiny church that we were in, Um, they just they just loved him and uh, um, and then and this is where all the kids live right there right there uh, from they come from the church they fill the church up from there this was another gospel meeting we did that we went up to his tribal area uh, and they had no place to meet so we met under the freeway bridge and uh, in a in a in you know it was weird I mean it was just like God was doing so many things that it was hard to hard to comprehend it all Um, um, this is just uh, at, that, at that meeting at this meeting um, um, almost everybody there wanted us to pray for them one by one and now you can see it's dark out we were praying for these people for hours I mean at this time I remember this woman clearly um, she had a lot of physical ailments a lot of they, they had someone next to me and she would say what her problems were we were praying for healing we were praying for you know their alcoholic husbands we were praying for their children their grandchildren um, and uh, um, I was exhausted <laughs> and um, this, again this was all new this was all new uh, new, new to us um, this is John with uh, a group of people I'll tell you why that guy with that hat on is so happy um His house burnt down the night before. Just the night before. This was wild. This is his house where he lived. And uh, I asked Yonadam, I go, how much to rebuild that house? He said about 150 bucks. I said, okay, <laughs> we'll just take care of it. So he told the guy, he told the guy, he goes, he's going to rebuild your house. <laughs> so, I mean, so, I was like, so he was one happy dude. So, <laughs> so, uh, 
there's another little precious little church. Again, mainly mainly widows and orphans and and their, some of their children. But r- the next picture is right outside that window. This is where uh, this is right a picture right outside the window. Open sewers, all place. Uh, pretty, you know. When you get off the beaten path, this is it. I mentioned that he wanted us to talk to the pastors. Um, um, I didn't. I thought it was just going to be a couple pastors. There are 300 pastors, <laughs> and um, some buddies of mine and stuff. We all uh, pitched in and stuff, and we uh, we got the guys. Uh, these are the white suits or safari suits. I got them, so, and they're like so. They were so proud of those safari suits. They just meant so much to them. Uh, they're very proud people, um, um, broken, independent, but but uh, just. Um, just amazing, and again, really mighty men of valor. Really mighty men of valor. Uh, while we were there, one of the guys was murdered by some Hindus. So you know, it's like, tell me where you could get where, uh, where. Tell me where an insurance guy and his son could talk to 300 pastors in a cow pasture, no facilities. When they had to go, they walked out there and they just did their duty. Um, no air conditioning. Um, no no water to speak of. I mean, they they. Uh, some had a little bit, um, rode their bikes, and few of them have motorcycles. And, uh, and so an insurance guy is going to talk to them. And I have to tell you this, I, had, I was terrified. Uh, I knew I was going to talk to pastors. I had no idea I was going to talk to 300. Um, and uh, I did, uh, and I, I called up Wald. I said, Wald, I'm tar- terrified. I've I got to talk to some pastors. I don't even know what to say. And he, Wald was great. He goes, he goes Dan... Um, it's a good state to be terrified. It's a good, good, good state for you to be in. And, 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 uh, and he said, you know, all my material I have isn't from me. It's given me by the Lord. He said, I'll share anything with you at all. And I gave him a message of unobedience. And I have to tell you something. Um, I'm, reading, I'm reading out of this thing. One of the parts is I, I read out of, out of the thoughts from a diary of a desperate man. This was really wild because... Uh, I read them uh, January 11th. I said, uh, If you desire a satisfactory relationship with God, two pillars must be firmly anchored in your life. You must believe in that, that same interpreter. Sam, he's there. He's interpreting for me the whole thing. You must believe that He, God, is in control and that He has your best interest at heart. Um, the sovereignty of God must be a deeply held conviction. When my son was dying of leukemia, a friend wrote, I don't know how this tragedy came about, but I, but I do know it did not come from God. As soon as I said that, they all applauded. They, yes, it didn't come from God, yes. And uh, they were all you know, praising the Lord. And I, and I went, oh no. What am I, I can't finish this. And I said, no, this, this is, they need to understand God's sovereignty. And I said, wait. And then, and then I said, um, um, as I pondered his observation, I concluded that if God did not kill my son, then I have a far greater problem than my son dying. I worship a God who is not in control. God was not sitting on the edge of the universe, chagrined over the disease that ravaged my son's life. As I held my son in my arms while he slipped into eternity, I knew that I was experiencing the beautiful handiwork of God. And this naturally leads to the second essential pillar, the goodness of God. God is good. He is incapable of doing anything but good. And, um, and they got super quiet. Um, I got letters afterwards from these guys. 
that uh, um, God did an incredible work there on their understanding of the sovereignty and going through the, the study on obedience. These, these men, and these are great guys, they do not allow any women teachers to men. No women pastors, no women teachers. These are, I mean, there are in India, there's, there's a whole mixed bag in India. Uh, Trinity Broadcasting Network, I think, is ruining India. Uh, these are solid guys. These are guys in the Word. Um, and, uh, um, but they wrote me back saying that, you know, I mean, they, they called me a great theologian. And I mean, I mean, God must have a real sense of humor. I was like, whoa. I'm like, oh, man. And I'm like, Lord, forgive them for making that comment. And, uh, but, I mean, they were so, they were so appreciative. Um, and, um, but uh, this, they, we, they, they had a big, they fed them afterwards and had a whole bunch of other pictures. But for, uh, uh, for a time purpose, I couldn't. But, you know, how they cooked their rice, I just had to, being an old scoutmaster, I just had to do that. And, and uh, we gave them a ton of Bibles. And this is a study Bible. This is actually a John MacArthur study Bible. There are many of them that can read English. And so they are just, this is like handing them gold. Handing them gold. And, uh, you know, the lepers, um, these, these guys, they're our brothers. I mean, when I looked in this guy's eye, this is one of the guys I looked in his eyes, as he's singing there. And, you know, he doesn't have any fingers. And uh, sometimes their legs are nubs. And... and um, but he had so much joy, uh, hard, to, hard to comprehend at all. And I looked in his eyes and I go, that is my brother. My brother. More of a bro- that guy's more of a brother to me than my own brothers and my family. They're both, my two older brothers are still unsaved. This guy's more of a brother to me than my own brothers and my family. Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. I would encourage all of you to read that passage. It starts in Matthew 25. I think it starts at verse 31 to 48. Um, that passage broke me as I meditated on it. The widows and orphans. Um, the abuse that goes on in India will stagger you. They'll steal little girls like that if they can get their hands on them. Beggars will. They'll come up from another tribal area. They'll steal that little girl. They'll bring her back to another tribal area. They'll hack one of her arms off and poke one of her eyes out just so they can get more money when they're begging on the streets. The evil in India is, is over, will overwhelm you. But then you run into people like this. There's no greater joy than sharing the gospel. How beautiful... Um, you know, it was, it was at that gospel meeting. There was some the Muslim women. They would drop to their knees and they would kiss our feet. And I'm going, and I was so embarrassed by that. I'm like, what? You know, stand up! Don't be kissing my feet. Who am I? And uh, and then someone reminded me of uh, Romans 10:15. Uh, How beautiful are the feet of, of of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You know, just widows. They are just these are just precious ladies. Um, let me. I got to read a letter, and I'm going to close. Thanks for bearing with me. I know I've gone over. Um, this was just sent to me before before I left. Um, I told Sadhana Dom I'm going to be meeting with you guys, and um, this picture was just taken. 
It's a recent picture. Hunter Pastors. Dear beloved participants of Southwest Men's Retreat, and he gives the verse right before that, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Dear beloved participants of Southwest Men's Retreat, my hearty greetings to you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I consider it as a great privilege to share with you a few things. I am Pastor Sidyanadam of Sharon Gospel Church and Ministries, Hyderabad, India. I come to know about your men's retreat through my dearest brother in Christ and friend, Brother Dan Russell. I am very glad to inform you, though I don't have any acquaintance with you, that I am along with 100 pastors and their congregations have been praying for this men's retreat since many days. We are grateful to God and thankful to Brother Dan Russell for giving me this opportunity to pray for you all. I would like to share to you that I was introduced to Brother Dan Russell one year, seven months ago through an email. Since then, we have communication and fellowship between both of us. Ever since the Lord has united us, both of us, both of us I was able to distribute not and on, like thousands of Bibles, etc. Et um, when I requested him to visit us in the month of February 2003, Seven. He, along with his younger son, John, visited us with love. During his visit, I have conducted great gospel meeting with around six or 7,000 people on 10th and 11th of February. These are evening meetings, and Brother Dan Russell preached the gospel at the same time his son shared his testimony. During these meetings, hundreds of non-Christians were responded to the Word of God and accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. This is really wonderful, and we believe that this is a miracle done by God only on the 12th, we had pastors' conference of 300. Um, you know, on the 12th, of those 300 pastors I showed you earlier, Brother Dan addressed and spoke to the pastors, and he goes on. He just said, you know, he just said that the Holy Spirit, you know, delivered the message, which I believe, because I couldn't have. I'm very happy to tell you the pastors were really blessed, revived by the wonderful message. He also visited some churches and pastors' homes during visit, especially our home church congregations were blessed a special way through his preaching. I believe that Brother Dan Russell has shared all this experience during our visit with all of us in your men's retreat. Those who have heard about Sharon Ministries may request you all pray for us in our ministry. We continue to pray for you all. Before I close my greetings, I'd like to share with you um, that he's ministering in the suburban area of Hyderabad, capital of Andhra Pradesh. This is an industrial area. The air and the water are polluted. It's very difficult to have good drinking water for the people of this slum area. People cannot earn enough money for their living. Many people are idolaters. The people are very poor. The children are illiterate. Proper education and medical aid for the people as well as children are very difficult to meet their needs. People work hard in the factories during the daytime and they were they're addicted to alcohol and liquor in the evening. Most of their earnings they spend in this manner and spoil their lives and also their families. The Lord has placed a heavy burden in my heart to work in the midst of such poor people. Please remember uh, in your valuable prayers during the people in this area in our church ministry, I convey all my personal greetings to each and every one of you that participate in this men's retreat. May God bless you all. I love you. Um, closing with prayers, Sajanadam. So that's and that's those guys have been praying and their congregations for days and they're praying right they're praying right now for this uh, for this men's conference. So I just end with that and uh, I'd remit, be remiss to say if, if any of you are stirred in your heart and you want to know more about these guys and want to know you know just just helping one of those guys out and corresponding with them just encouraging and just encouraging one of those guys will change their whole life.
absolutely their whole life. It'll change. Their, it's it's amazing. They 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 just struggle and struggle tremendously. So if you want to know more, just let me know. I just really appreciate all of you. Sorry I went over. Um, this was uh, uh, a, a, a trip that just uh, absolutely broke me, broke me and destroyed me. And uh, just thank you guys for allowing me to share this uh, message with you. Thank you.